Welcome to podcasts recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. Happy Sunday, everyone. We're winding up our use of this book, Thoughts Are Things, today. And uh, I do plan on giving you kind of the 90-second tour on the whole series in a little bit. But where I want to start out today is the way Ernest Holmes, the author and the really the creator in some ways of the science of mind, I want to start by reading how he starts this section at the end of the book. It's about planning for the future. The future is something that everyone seems to dream of, but seldom does anything about. Tomorrow is always that wonderful time yet to be experienced. You, no doubt, find yourself so involved in memories of the past and immediate concerns of today that you more or less let the future take care of itself. That future always does take care of itself, but it is born out of what you are thinking right now. Your future is like a projection screen upon which are thrown the images of the thoughts that you have today. It can be no better and it can be no worse, but at any time, you have the power to change that picture, change it to something definitely to your advantage. And so we want to talk about this idea of planning for the future today. And um, of course, I managed to actually find a joke about planning for the future. So stand back. It's a stinker. (laughs) Now that they've retired, my mother and father are discussing all aspects of their future. And, And of course, eventually it led to talking about the end. Now, what will you do if I die before you, Dad said, Mom. Uh, Dad asked Mom. Well, after some thought, she said that she'd probably look for some kind of a house-sharing situation, maybe with three other single or or widowed women, maybe some people younger than her, since she's so active for her age. That's her idea, if she should precede her husband. And then Mom asked Dad, what will you do if I die first? He replied, I like your plan. I said it was a stinker. (laughs) Do you have plans for the future? Now, I don't necessarily mean traditional plans for the future. Probably all of us have uh, been putting money into Social Security. Probably a lot of us have 401ks. Probably a lot of us have an idea of what we might do when the kids are off to college or, or ideas of what we'll do when we retire someday or when our life is a little different. But those are kind of the things of life, right? Uh, And maybe in some ways it's easier to plan for the things of life because it's sort of set up for you, right? It's, it's, It's well known how you can contribute to something to make your financial plans for the future better. You know, it's it's well known. You've seen other people and what they do to plan for the future. I'm not talking about that so much, though. And I want to use an example here. Um, uh, It kind of, I was looking at other people's uh, plans and compelling dreams, and I came across a few examples, and I want to share one with you that uh, resonated with me. So this is from the 1920, and a fellow named David Sarnoff was in charge of trying to try to round up investors for this new thing called radio okay so 1920 
uh, Sarnoff is out trying to find investors for radio. So he, he goes to some banking investors and they said, well, what, you know, what is this thing? And he starts talking about, well, in, in the greater metropolitan New York area, we're going to need about seven of these big towers. And these towers do the transmission. And each one of them, and this is you know, 1920, each one of them is going to cost about $5,000, which is an amazing, I mean, I don't know what a radio transmitter costs today, but $5,000 in 1920 was like a huge sum of money that they're asking for. And we need so many of them, and that, that puts up the tower. And of course, the banker's going, well, what does that do? Well, that way we can broadcast. Well, what are you going to broadcast? Well, music and, and you know, people speaking poetry and maybe, maybe people who had a vaudeville act can do it over the radio. And, and so the investors are thinking, well, won't that disturb the neighborhoods, all that sound coming out of the towers? And they're like, no, 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 no. This is just invisible and silent waves coming out of the towers. Well, what good is that? Well, no, then we sell everybody a radio. Oh, well, what's the radio? Oh, well, it's this console. It'll be, it's about the size of an overstuffed chair or, or maybe a sofa, because the very first ones were huge, right? Oh, well, that's interesting. So people would have to buy this. Yeah, how much would it cost? Well, in today's amount of money, it would be about $500, about like buying a big screen TV. Back then, that was the equivalent of buying a radio. And the guy goes, really? So people are going to spend $500 to get invisible waves out of the air. And like, how will they pick what music they can listen to? Oh, they can't. It's whatever we broadcast. They don't get any choice. Well, the investors just said, get out of here. There's no way we're going to give you a dime for this. Are you crazy? Who in their right mind would spend $500 on a box and you turn it on and someone else is going to determine what you get to listen to? How do you talk back to them? Oh, no, sir. It's a one-way medium. You can't talk back to them. The investors just said, get the heck out of here. This is how you plan for your future in terms of the stuff. Next round, they got someone entirely different to go and do the proposals for the bankers. And do you know what they did? They brought Sarah Bernhardt, a very popular music hall singer of her day. They brought her along. They had the bankers in their boardroom, and she sang a beautiful song to them. And they simply said, picture her singing in everyone's living room in the greater metropolitan area. They sold the experience. They didn't sell the technology. They didn't sell the towers. They didn't even talk about how much the radio would cost. What they knew was to have someone famous singing every night of the week in your living room was a compelling experience that no one would turn down. And they had no trouble getting the finances. This is what I'm suggesting for us when we want to plan for the future. It isn't so much the thing. It isn't so much the 401k. It isn't the, the so much the idea of when the kids are gone, then I'll be able to do what I want. It's the compelling experience. What do you want to have in the future? 
Is it a, a love life that is rich and intimate and sweet? Is it a, a job where you really feel like your skills are, are being used to their utmost and you're making a, a big deal in the world? Is it something like bringing joy, really unfettered joy to yourself and your friends? Even as I'm saying some of these things, I'm seeing various people light up a bit at different suggestions that I'm making. There is in you something yet to be done, something yet to be. And I don't know what it is, but I know that in your heart of hearts, you know what it is. And it's, and it's beyond just saving up money so that someday you won't have to work. Do you know what I mean? That's, that is planning for the future, but that's not what I'm talking about. There's something living in you that really desires to be expressed in a fundamental way. Something as powerful as, as bringing a radio to the masses, uh, something well beyond just saving money in a 401k. Do you have it? Do you know what it is? Is it to be loved in some wonderful and new way? Is it to express joy? Because some things will show up like a plan, like a like a, a, a radio station, you know? I, I had the opportunity last night of attending a, a high school graduation at the Memorial Coliseum, and uh, there were 437 17 and 18 year olds, most of whom had no clue whatsoever about what they wanted to do for the future, right? It's like, well, I guess I get a job, you know, I don't really have enough money for more schooling, but I think I'd kind of like to do that. But here in the midst of them were a few people who had very compelling ideas. There was one young woman that I was talking to, a, a friend of my nephew's, who, by the way, has no idea what he wants to do. But, but anyway, this young woman was saying how she was going to be a middle school teacher and uh, about how she needed to, to go on to college and take these classes, and she wanted to specialize in the English language and maybe do American literature for middle school kids. And as she was talking, her face just lit up. It was like a thousand watt bulb, right? And anyone within earshot of her, you could tell they, you know, they're ignoring their graduates. She was like a magnet because she had every idea in her mind, the, the visualization of the experience of what it was going to be like. And she even knew that it wouldn't be easy. She even had some things to say about how she would deal with difficult students or if the administration was strange. I mean, she'd really thought the whole thing through and had a vivid and compelling picture in her mind. And you know what? She's going to be the one that gets the scholarship. She's going to be the one that gets hired first. It's because of that ability in her to see it fully orbed. It's the ability in her just to know that this is what she is to do. Now, does it have to be something as grand as a radio tower or being a, a middle school teacher? See, I think... <clears throat> I think it can be handy if our dream has a title to it, right? Uh, because that it means that someone has gone that way ahead of us and, and maybe dreamed the dream, right? So there's a, a plan for becoming a middle school teacher. And, and although he, uh, he stumbled a little at first, there eventually was a plan for doing radio stations in New York City. But what if you just want an experience of love or joy? See, I think we can develop a plan for that as well. It may not be something as easy as ticking off uh, boxes, but I'll tell you, it's all about the next steps that we take.
And I want to share a secret with you. I, I guess it's not much of a secret, uh, especially if I tell you all. <laughs> but something that I have lived by that I have found very useful is once I have an idea of a dream, to let go of some of the how I get there. Because I think it can be daunting. I think the idea of not having uh, something finished until all the radio towers are built and all the financing is secured and all the, I think that sometimes that can be a dream killer because I don't know how I'm gonna do all of that stuff. But what I do know is each day I have the opportunity to take a step. And I would suggest to you that once you know what your dream is, all you have to do is just ask yourself, is this step gonna take me closer to my dream or further away from it? And that life doesn't have to be too much more complicated than that. When we have a dream, the universe will keep presenting us with options. The universe will keep saying, here's some things to try, here's a new way of being, here's some resources, here's some collaborators. And I think all you have to do is say, okay, if I made that decision, if I took that job, if I started collaborating with that person, if whatever it is that presents itself, if I do that thing, if I study that, if I take that class, will it take me a step closer to my dream or a step away from my dream? Now I wanna caution you, you will have your detractors. There will be people that say that dream's too big, that you're too old, that that costs too much money, and they'll play into your sense of not knowing how to get there from here. They'll play into that idea that you don't have all the answers, so of course you can never achieve that. And to those people, we nod and we smile and we say thank you, and we recognize that that is a step further away from our dream instead of close to it, right? We, we hold those friends and family members with great love and we tend to ignore their advice because their advice will take us further away from our dream. And sometimes the things that they will tell us will make sense. Sometimes the things that they will tell us might seem much easier than our dream. You just need to settle down and get married and then you'll have a routine and life will go better. You just need to take... You know, I, I appreciate the fact that you'd like to be a veterinarian, but we don't have money for that kind of schooling, and frankly, your SAT scores weren't all that good to begin with. I think you should get a job at Burger King. You, you know, it's easy. They're hiring. But I would suggest to you that even something that sounds good, if it takes you away from your ability to take positive steps towards your dream that you're using up your time and resources in a way that will cut out that dream eventually. So again, we smile and we nod and we say thank you for your suggestion. I know that you love me and this is my dream. I'm gonna be that middle school teacher. I'm gonna express the love in a relationship that, so what if I've never had it before? I have a compelling vision of what it's like in my mind right now, and I'm gonna take steps in that direction. And if I make a mistake, so what? If I make a mistake, I, I take another chance on something else, and as long as it seems like that next step 
is closer to my dream, closer to my ideal, closer to my mental equivalent of, of happiness or, or, or usefulness or, or success or whatever it is, I'm going to take that step. It's for me to do. It's who I am. And what you will discover, when you stand in your truth, you're just like that 17-year-old girl who lit up talking about teaching middle school. And people will come out of the woodwork to be with you and to support you, to mentor you, to bring you resources, to buddy up with you. When you are lit up, when you are on fire. See, that was the trouble with the guys with their initial pitch of the radio stations, right? There was no passion in it. They were talking about towers and broadcast bands and you know all of this stuff and instead they brought the power they they brought someone with the captivating voice along with them and people were stunned by the idea of having beauty in their own living room you can be that beauty in your own living room you can have that compelling vision of what is right for you and people will sign up for it people will want to finance it people will will move heaven and earth to give you the the resources and the tools and the support and the love and the kindness that you need to pull it off because you're just it's like a power in you a vision cannot be denied when it is so fully orbed and so fully seated in the heart. I want to close today um, with another quote from this book. And, and probably some of you uh, who have gotten the book have noticed that, that he has actual prayers in here that, that go with each chapter. And so I'm going to read a quote and, uh, and read a, a prayer as well. Um, but I just want you to bless, bless your lives, to really recognize that in you is everything that you need, because all it is is that vision of the future. All it is is your own, your own acceptance of your divine power. And when you have that, when, when it's compelling, when it's beautiful, when you're turned on by it, that's all the universe needs. That is how creation happens. It's your idea. It's your heartfelt power, your oomph coming from your own heart. The universe, the universe will respond. Ernest Holmes closes out this book by saying, there is probably nothing that we are less familiar with than the nature of the functioning and creative power of our own minds. Yet, it is only in and through our own minds, that which makes us who we are, that we succeed in anything. This creativity may objectify in either a positive or a negative experience. It all depends on the content of the pattern of your thoughts. New, happier horizons of living, they will always open up for us to the extent that we learn to keep our thoughts directed in the area of what we desire. Let us pray. There is one life. That life is God's life. That life is the presence of perfection at the center of my being. I feel this divine life flowing through me, animating every atom of my being. And I now affirm with complete acceptance that the intelligence that created all things is now leading and guiding me into the accomplishment of every good, worthwhile, good and worthwhile purpose. This presence exists at the very center of my being it's flowing through me always, 
It's establishing happiness, joy, abundance, harmonious living. It is a constructive use of the creative power of my mind. I am now open to new ideas, new hopes, new aspirations. I'm grateful in the surety of this knowledge. I let it be, and so it is. Thank you for being here today. So glad you came to be with us. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and to make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at www.pcsl.us donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.